My name is Lewis Concordia, and today I will be interviewing Travis Young's class of 2006 as part of Mercersburg StoryCorps Making a Difference project. And how would you say your childhood was out there? Childhood was good, man. Um, I'll say it was like a lot of fun. You know, you're considered a city kid, so, you know, hanging out. Um, I spent a lot of like my active outdoor childhood in the Bronx where I went to elementary and middle school. So all that stuff was good. Um, got in any sport I could, did a lot of outdoor, you know, <laughs> a lot more outdoor than I guess kids do these days. But, um, parents are good. Family's good. I'm the youngest of four. Wow. So <laughs> yeah, it was a lot of fun, uh, kind of learning my lessons from them, you know? And it was just you and your sister that ended up going to Mercer's right? Yeah, um, contemporarily, yeah. So she graduated in 03, I graduated in 06, and my dad, way back, uh, graduated in 68. And how did you end up in Mercersburg? Because, you know, like, everyone has, like, a story about how they ended up there. Seems like <laughs> everyone else, like, yeah. about that. It, yeah, it's never, like, you You don't ever really just stumble on Mercersburg, yeah. right? <laughs> There's always a reason or something you got there. Um, so my dad had been there. Uh, and he had mentioned it to my sister. And so New York at the time, they had this program called A Better Chance. Um, a Better Chance was basically a way of saying, like, all right, we're going to put these kids in this program and give you guys exposure to schools that are outside of the state or um, give you, like, a, a higher uh, application process and all that other stuff for boarding schools or private schools outside of the state of New York. And um, so she ended up going. She did a better chance. I did it as well. But when she went, she loved it. And I visited her once. I was like, I, I want to go. <laughs> this is the place I want to be. It's different. It's not as crowded. Literally, Mercersburg, you know, it's in the middle of nowhere. So it <laughs> uh, wasn't as crowded and not appealed to me. And were you, like, always interested in sports? Or did Mercersburg kind of introduce you to that? Um, Good question. I was always interested in sports it was just one of those things that like before it was playground fun you know blacktop playing football at recess always played basketball whenever gym class had around um got into like baseball soccer small stuff like that but once uh mercesburg came around and like really organized it for me and i really got to kind of dive into what i liked you know uh basketball was that big thing for me but track was the other one Mm-hmm. And um, so my sister, the one who went to Mercersburg, she ran track from like fourth grade, I want to say, or fifth grade on because there was a women's league and they didn't have one, though, for young boys. And I was like, well, I could beat my sister, all this other stuff. Right. So finally get to high school. I get to be on the same team. She's developed faster than me. She's infinitely faster and ended up having like records there. I was like, uh, yeah. I'm no longer the fast one, <laughs> you know, so. That drew me in to be better, that sort of thing. That's when it started. For sure. And you you still have the record of Mercersburg for the triple jump, correct? Yeah, uh, indoor. Um, wow. Yeah, that was my senior year. <laughs> that was interesting. That was the first year they had an indoor team. <laughs> wow. So we, uh, we were doing practices. Yeah, that was the uh, tw- yeah, 2005-2006 season. Um, first year they had an indoor team and we were practicing outside and in the hallway of the gym before that whole gym got redesigned, the old gym, 
We used to do hurdle drills <laughs> right yeah. past uh, Rick Hendrickson's office. <laughs> you know, <laughs> so we were freezing. <laughs> we were freezing. That it was crazy. And what would you say one of your fondest memories of Mercersburg was? Like, what was like a time that you were just really enjoying it and having fun? Um, I had a good time pretty much all of it. I think the most memorable times yearly was like the boxer bikini run, something of like of that nature, mm-hmm. just because you know, you were pretty much set in a routine all the time, you know, and you yeah. went to the movie trips and you did your sport and you did study all that stuff, but it was the one kind of, like, unspoken thing where it's like, okay, big first snowfall, like, this is what we're doing. And it was just like a big snowball fight, you know, after hours. And it was like, ooh, we're, we're allowed outside. And yeah, everybody, like, knew when they had to go back and stuff, but you had stories about it. Who did you tackle? All that other stuff. And, um, that kind of like really grow the bond of like who your friends were, you know, um, while Mercersburg, you know, it, it's small. You get to find out though, who are you seeking out when a big moment like that comes around? Like who are your, who are your guy friends, who are the girls you want to talk to all that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. So for me, the boxer bikini runs year by year, you start kind of like figuring out like, Hey, this is breaking the norm and it's completely unscripted. You don't know what's going to snow. It's, it's yeah. not a holiday. It's not anything like that. Right. So you just hope you get a good snow year. That was uh that was big for me. It always sticks in my mind. Yeah, they took that away two years ago, sadly. So ah. <laughs> taking away everything. All the things you guys got, we wish we had, right? <laughs> and now you know you get something like that, take it away, and we're like, mm-hmm. ah, we got to hold that over you. <laughs> That's cool. Though. That's all right. And your dad, who was one of the first black students at Mercersburg, how different do you think your experience was? as a black person in Mercersburg than his was? Um, I would say in certain ways, it was probably similar, or at least not as overt, but different in the fact that it wasn't <laughs> probably as overtly was either racist or uncomfortable or ignorant or things of that nature. Um, I would say different in the avenues of where people are coming from in the world, right? when you're talking that 14, sometimes 13 to 18 year old age group, um, and you have kids coming from around the world, it might be their first time coming to interaction with a, you know, a black person that's not on TV. <laughs> right. While back then it was generally just like young white men. And then it was like a couple of black students. All right. No girls were admitted yet. Right. So it, the, the dynamic was literally just like black and white <laughs> and maybe here and there, um, from whoever was allowed to come in. So while the ground is different and the information, you know, of like, Hey, this is our culture. This is your culture. Oh my goodness. This is this, that, and the other, like, while that's all out there, um, got to realize like 2006, that's really like the start of YouTube. (laughs) That's, you know, e-bombs world was a thing. So all this stuff still wasn't even as prevalent as now, you know what I mean? So, um, while things were different, they kind of remained the same, just new faces from different parts of the world who are getting to now ask the same questions that my dad probably had to deal with. So something interesting like that. And then where did you end up going to college at? I went to a sinus college over in Collegeville. Um, so I came in a little bit, <laughs> two and a half hours, uh, you know, in from Mercersburg, but still about two and a half hours from home. 
So just outside of Philadelphia by a bit. And then you you did equally good in athletics there too, right? You also set the triple jump record too at their school. Right? Yeah. That's great. <laughs> yeah, triple jump became my thing. <laughs> I did the long, I did the high and triple and stuff, but triple jump became like my focus. Um, I think I still have the indoor record there um, for triple jump. Uh, a dude I actually ended up coaching got my outdoor record, so I allow that because you know, I coached him. So, um, but no, it was a lot of fun, and that was my major, like my passion for a bit. You know, yeah. And when did you realize that you know lifting and tri- and you know track and field could be a potential career for you? Um, I actually learned all that in high school. So, high school, uh, the friends that I had surrounded myself with, we pretty much like the quieter ones we didn't you know care for i guess like within our little pod we just pretty much kept to ourselves for the most part um and with that it consisted of like going to the gym shooting around extra shots doing whatever and after the gym was the weight room that became pretty much our life from you know sophomore year to senior year and once that kind of stuck and I graduated, I was like, well, I had this consistency. This is something I also realized being pretty good at track. How do I get better? I have two guidelines set, right? I have a routine that Mercersburg kind of gives you. I have a routine that comes with fitness and I'm starting to get pretty good at something. And I want to, you know, so to speak, I want to sharpen that ax a little bit. So, um, in between graduating and going to college, I was looking for a job and I ended up interning as a personal trainer in New York. So that was even before, you know, my first day of college and setting a major or any of that stuff. But I already knew it was like, there has to be a fitness course. There has to be an exercise science, something rather got on campus, like day two, knew exactly where to go. <laughs> so sometimes, you know, like that sometimes it takes a little digging, but comes from, you know, your extracurricular or whatever that is. And would you say fitness has changed your life? Oh, 100%. Yeah, 100%. Um, I mean, even with what's going on now, right, with COVID and all that, fitness, we're talking about um, its relevance and in, in your defense, <laughs> your immune system, and how it's one of the better ways to keep yourself healthy uh, if you should you get COVID and, you know, any symptoms express, you have it for a shorter amount of time, stuff like that. So it helps me um, kind of preach that, if you will, to, to people and help them get through it, um, help them get through anything and just build confidence within fitness. Uh, so going back to your question, for me personally, it's helped out tremendously, <laughs> not just for what it does for me, but how I see things and how I see others. And kind of see that thing that, like, in the question you had just asked, how do you know, like, fitness is your passion? It was like, you kind of see it in certain people, right? They're kind of looking for something. Like, hey, you know what? Try this workout session with me. Let's train for a little bit. And they find, like, oh, my gosh, I can't imagine a day without this. That sort of thing, you know? It's a happiness that comes with it. Definitely. And I would just also just love to hear about, like, some of your – PRs because I saw I saw the six hundred and twenty pound deadlift and that was pretty crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, the other PRs, 
So I'm currently in the weightlifting. Like I'm at a CrossFit space. Um, did CrossFit for quite a while. So that was good, but I wanted to focus on some of the weightlifting right now. So, um, my max deadlift overall is 665. Uh, max back squat is 500. Uh, max bench is 275. I don't bench often. <laughs> it's actually kind of a joke. I, I bench like four times a year, <laughs> but, um, max clean and jerk is have to do the kilos 365 something like that um max snatch is about 275 so i'm just trying to get those things up <laughs> impressive man that's it's crazy i'm trying and uh in the landscape of sport and all that stuff run out of time <laughs> right 32 <laughs> the declines are coming <laughs> Right. Just like what goes into all that? Like how many, how many hours do you train a week? You know, like how do you have to follow like a strict diet? You know, just, yeah. Um, not so strict on the diet, although like I do nutrition stuff and, um, not trying to eat out or eat processed foods. And that helps that whole like recovery system. But, um, daily it's about knowing like, all right, at minimum an hour. Like if I'm squeezed between sessions or classes or work in general, I have to at least give myself an hour, right? I think that's one thing that we as a whole population, we don't do enough. We don't give ourselves just an hour, right? So from uh, my training, minimum an hour, ideal day, like two and a half hours. Um, hit the heavyweight stuff, get after a little bit of cardio and just um, and making sure that it's hyper-focused, you know? and sticking to that routine as long as possible. Uh, obviously there's ups and downs. Like I heard you train for a bit and you know, sports are pretty big for you. Right. Yeah. Um, so you'll know there's ups and downs. There's good games. There's bad games, right? The same with training sessions. <laughs> there's times you want to do it. There's times you don't want to do it, but at the end of the day, you got to take the field, right? So that's how I handle that. That's how I approach it at least. And what would you say is your proudest fitness and non-fitness related moment throughout your life so far proudest fitness moment would be i wouldn't say it's one particular moment but it would be um every time i'm able to compete all right um simply because uh, at least for me when you start getting a little bit older, I'm only 32, right? But mm-hmm. as you get older, the thing that becomes like, oh, why are you still competing? Like, why don't you just do this then? And I'm like, well, every day should have a goal, right? From training to the end of the week, you should have a goal. To the end of the month, you should have a goal. Or else, what are you doing? You're just waiting to do what? Nothing. So my proudest moment is to continue that, to still have a fire, to have a goal, to still do it. And when I get that opportunity to compete, I'm really, really, really genuinely happy to get it done, even if it goes as like a, a bad day, it's better than doing nothing in my book. Um, and my proudest non-competitive moment would be, I had one client who outright, you know, I've had him for 10 years now. Um, he told me, yeah, he's like, yeah, I don't know if you know, I can do all this stuff. I have kyphosis, you know, hunch in the back. Um, and I do this for a living and I don't really know if that's going to get fixed. So I just want to maintain, like he came at me with the goal of, I just want to maintain fast forward five years working through his posture. He has the best posture he's ever had. 
is more energy than I have ever had. His kids, kids are teenagers now, and he's like, I'm every one of their games, and I have energy, and I can play with them, and I do this, that, and the other. And he's ecstatic about life, you know. When he first came into it, it's like I just want to maintain and not get worse. And for me to see him go through that transformation, and now we're at year ten, and the guy's doing things he never even thought he would do, you know, muscle up. Uh, he's stringing 50 push-ups together, stuff like that. You know, that just kind of says, like, it's a little bit validating that what you believe in is not just for you. Sure. That it can be for somebody else. Um, and that makes you, you know, swell up a little bit inside. You're just like, I'm really happy for this guy. And that was, he's he's one of my, like, favorite moments, <laughs> favorite guys. Yeah, that's, that's cool. And then I know you do... Uh, some charity work too, uh, feeding families through fitness. Why do you think it's so important to do charity work? Um, we always have to have the opportunity to give back, right? Um, this year, for a lot of people, they're getting to that realization. But I was brought up that if you have, you give, mm. right? You can you can give something back. Um, growing up in a Christian family with my dad, mom, and like growing up how we did, it was like always ten percent of something. At least that was you know to church, right? But we were also told, you know, material things are not important and that there are those who don't have that ability to have those things or have enough food. And like there's things you want and then there's things you need. And there's a lot of people who don't have the things they need daily. Right. Um, so that feeding families through fitness that sparked up in October and we did just did that a couple of weeks ago. Um, the idea there was, again, like. COVID is knocking people on their butts, man, <laughs> you know? So yeah. it becomes a situation where it's kind of like, hey, look, there are going to be some families out there who can't pay for their meals. Um, they can't get meals and they're getting close to Thanksgiving. Like, what can we do? Linked up with uh, a group over in Norristown, the area I'm at, and they give out turkeys to families every year. So I was like, hey, look, I know some of those families might only have that turkey. Mm -hmm. It's like, if we can at least for this day take your dollar and allow you to put it toward a future meal and we'll cover your meal today, like there's a there's a good feeling about that, you know? And not even just for the selfish feeling, but just to see them like have that joy and be like, look, you gotta pay it forward sometimes, right? Mm -hmm. And try to live that way. So it seems like you're pretty religious, correct? Yeah. Yes, sir. Cool. How important would you say your faith is to you? It's huge. It's um, almost every decision, whether it's like outwardly, you know, I'm not walking around, I would say, like quoting Bible scriptures all the time or anything of that nature, because you still don't know your audience and you don't know who's going to spark up an argument, this, that, yeah. and the other. I'm like, look, I'm not trying to be confrontational. I'm just telling you what I believe. But it forms my daily action, right? There are times where I'm angry at something. I'm like, all right, look, relax. <laughs> you know not to do this. Don't do this. Like, don't yell at this person when they don't need, deserve it. Say you're sorry. It's like all the manners that you're ever taught as a kid, <laughs> but with a belief system that kind of forms who you are as a human and not just doing uh, manners and mannerisms just because you were taught so as a kid, you know? There's a lot of things you're taught. You, you don't know the why. <laughs> so it helps form a why for me, right? Obviously, you know, for those on the outside of, of any faith, 
would just be like, oh, well, you're just doing that to get to heaven. I'm like, no, it, it also just helps me live this life, the one life we get with happiness, <laughs> right? And, and purpose um, and move forward and try to spread that and not just be like, oh, this is about me and I'm going to just get through until I die, you know? So it's big, uh, not only for myself, but uh, my wife and raising my daughter to do so as well. Yeah. And what would say, what would you say are some of your plans for the future? Um, so <laughs> lots of different plans in there. Like they're currently morphing all over the place, but, um, I'm in this gym now and I want to be able to just continue to help it grow. I'd say down the road, you know, uh, any ownership options and just like fully have it right now, you know, family is thing number one, <laughs> right? Raise the little one, grow the family. Uh, make sure we're all good. Um, next bit would be to own a spot and then kind of build up athletes or general population. General population, I mean, just uh, anybody who's just like, hey, I want to play with my grandkids someday. The same sort of story that I said about my one client. Um, build that up because ultimately those were the people that inspired me, right? And it's just another form of giving back. Just kind of say, hey, look, I have a space. Come train. Come get healthier. If you're a kid and you want to go ahead and be an athlete, awesome athlete, like here's a safe space to come in. No bullying, nothing crazy, nothing like that. Like give back to the community as best as possible. And that leads in right to one of my last questions. What do you want your impact on your community to be in the future Um, now? Yeah, I like that question. Um, I want my impact to be just that people knew that I was there for them, you know, um, good days, bad days. We all have them. (laughs) Right. Um, like, no, I'm not perfect. Not even close. Right. But we are all going to try and build up as a community, right? No one person does this alone, that sort of thing. And that, um, any way that I can get my thumbprint in that community and just kind of continue to build it up, you know, have generations like, ah, oh, my, my dad trained my dad. It was a long time, you know, stuff like that. Uh, you ever been like old or small towns where, um, you know, everybody in the town <laughs> and they're like, yeah, that yeah. my, my dad trained with that guy. And now I train with him and then my son trains with sort of stuff like sure. things like that, a lineage, a line, uh, Things like that I would love, Definitely. you know. Thank you all for listening, and a huge thank you to Mr. Youngs for allowing me to interview him.